AG1 is a comprehensive and convenient blend of over 70 high quality ingredients. And what that means is each morning when I wake up, before I do anything else, I drink AG1 to set me up for the day. It keeps me clear headed, full of energy and focused on whatever I need to do, like writing the fighting cock, for example. One scoop once a day before breakfast and that's it. I've actually found that I've not been needing coffee in the morning to get me started. I've still been drinking coffee because I love coffee, but it's not because it's like a necessity to do so. AG1 is made out of the highest quality ingredients subject to the strictest manufacturing standards. AG1 is NSF certified for sport and this process involves exhaustive testing and verification that every serving of AG1 is exactly what you see on the label. If you want to take ownership of your health, try AG1 and get a free one year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs for your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com forward slash the fighting cock. That's drinkag1.com forward slash the fighting cock to get started. And to help the podcast. Thank you very much. Have a great day and enjoy the show. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's not easy being the one everyone counts on to keep the facility running, no matter the weather or supply chain hiccup. But we get you, Raymond in Buffalo and Maria in Miami, Jules in Minneapolis and Stan in central Indiana. Taking control of everything that's under your control. At Granger, we're here for you with experienced branch staff at over 250 locations so you get the product you're looking for. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and Geico is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to geico.com or contact your local agent today. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. GEICO asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, GEICO can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. GEICO asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, GEICO can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. It's the fighting. It's the fighting. 
Hello boys and girls, welcome to a special Fighting Cock Youth Podcast. The takeover is finally complete. I'm your host, Windy, and I'm joined by Ben, who you may know as THFC Academy. Hello, Ben. Thanks for having me. And Carl, who is Carl, as I see it on Twitter, what a handle that is, Carl. Cheers, my mates love it too. (laughs) (laughs) So these are two people you may know from Twitter and who I know from Hotspur Way, from um, watching the Academy down there, um, the under-18s primarily. But um, we'll come back to a bit about you both shortly. But before we start, how proud were you last night when Harry Winks came off the bench on 74 minutes with just 308 Premier League minutes to his name to see out the game against Chelsea? Personally, I thought it was... I think it just shows how much he's come on, really. And it's, it's personally, it's great to see him fulfill his potential. Um, it's great to see him getting these chances. And it just shows, while I've had my doubts at some point in the past, how much faith Poch is actually showing in the young people and our young players um, yeah and he, I think he he did well he didn't get much he didn't get much on the ball but he looked calm and composed when he came on and he helped see the game out which he's been doing recently so I'm proud they knew at the game last night yeah same as Carl really just really just proud really to see a player that we've seen play for the under 18s under 21s and then move up to be trusted in such a high pressure situation it was just fantastic to see. Quite and mad. He, he didn't let us down, like you say. Like he was, he didn't see that much of the ball, but when he did, he was calm. He used it well. He, he protected it well, which I think is the thing, the area for me where he's grown this year. The way he protects the ball, um, he's a lot stockier and stronger than he was a while back. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. It's, um, like I say back in back in the under 21s and the 18s, he would always pick up the ball and distribute it well and manipulate play and control and everything, but. Recently, it seems he's developing that defensive side of his game. His positioning, how he's um, knowing where to be in certain points of the game, adapting to put to his plan, and it's just because of um, his ability to implement instructions. I just think he's been the perfect player to come and see out games at the moment. You can see why Poch likes him. He's, yeah. a, he's a smart player. He's got good in-game intelligence, which Poch clearly rates very yeah. highly as well. Yeah. I think um, people used to compare him to that Scotty Parker back in the day, didn't they? Yes, I think he's a lot. Better. He's better, yeah, yeah, he's a lot better. Technically, but way more gifted. Yeah, than yeah. someone like Parker. But just uh, he's a very dynamic player, so he can obviously get around the pitch and do what he needs to do. Awesome. Before we kind of get into things, um, just to flag up that next Tuesday we play QPR in the FA Youth Cup fourth round at Loftus Road. It's a seven pm kickoff. You can get in for three pounds if you're an adult, one pound for concessions, and it's free for under eights with a paying adult. You can buy tickets on the night. I probably will do that. But if you mm. wanted to buy in advance, you can call the QPR box office on 0844 4777 007. You guys both going to Damn right. that? Yeah. yeah, get down yeah. there, guys. Get down there. It'll support be, um, the yeah, support the boys. So we're going to kick off by talking a bit kind of generally about the Spurs Academy. Um, I'm, I'm sure that people will know more than they would have done certainly a couple of years ago about mm. the Academy because it's become high profile. Um I mean, there's a few things I kind of want to say about McDermott and Muniz, but just to sort of start us off, what was the state of the academy when you guys got into it? So, Ben, what, when, how long ago was it when you started watching academy football and what did you think of the academy at that point? It was only two or three years ago and it hasn't changed much since then. It's still pretty much the same thing. I mean, we're one of the best academy sides, probably third after Chelsea and City. And yeah, we've just... I, haven't, I wouldn't say we've got better since then. I think the first team I saw was the team of Ottawa, Winks, Ogilvy, McGee. And I'd say this current under-18 is probably on a par with that. Um, so I really started to pay attention around, um, was it the next gen year or just before that? So I've been 2010, 2011. I remember there wasn't, I didn't have a car back then, so I could only see the highlights and I'd go and look out. If um, it was facing like Liverpool, Man United, you could see... In, them stream the live games otherwise I was looking out for the highlights so on and so forth and it was I remember watching Parrot, Luongo Babika uh, all of those guys play at the time how it's changed I feel the current crop in terms of um, the Onoma and Walker Peters the 97 born young players come through are a lot better than those guys but I think those guys were very good and have actually shown through having Premier League careers and or championship careers that they were a great team at the end of the day. That's it. I mean, when I started watching the academy at first, it was th- well, the year I started playing co- close attention was the Ryan Mason year, um, and that 
his age group has pretty much all gone on to have league careers, or, or the majority have gone on to have league careers. So is that when they're under 18 still? Yes, okay. sorry, yeah, when yeah. they're at the under 18 level. And to be honest, at that point, if, if one or two players had league careers, you were happy. And, mm. and if you got uh, made a bit of money on them, that was a bonus. Um, we're at the point now where two, three players from every year group are pushing towards the first team squad, which is Incredible. unbelievable that we're at that point. And, yeah. and it just kind of shows that the... Um, the massive investment has paid off. Yeah, it's an incredible output, really. I mean, if you, I mean you've both obviously been to Hotspur Way mm. a few times. Um, did it, did either of you ever go to the old? No, it, oh, it's actually really close to me, but I never went to the old Spurs Lodge. No, such I never a, went there. Such a different place. Yeah. Uh, just it was really small, apparently. Really, really small. A couple of pitches, like a ramshackle hut where they went in and changed and and did their. Well, have you been to West Ham's? No, I've not. I mean, so, is. It's it's an old school. It's old. It's no, a, it is a school. They it is just a school, rent out the field from a school. Yeah, and it's, I imagine it'd be like that. It's just you look at it and you think, oh, "What is this?" Yeah, and then you look at Hotspur Way. Yeah. You're like, "This is incredible." So, when you first walked through the gates at Hotspur Way, what were your impressions? It's an incredible place. It's like something like a spaceship has landed in the middle of Enfield. It's it really just is. ridiculous. It is. It is. It's, a, it's just it lush. Looks, it doesn't look like. It looks sort of like space age. Mm, I, yeah, the design of it is pretty special, and the facilities are. Unparalleled, I'd say, in this country. City, yeah, City have yeah, got City similar. Got a thing going on in the, the academy, but I can't think of any other place really that no. would have. England use ours now. Yeah, do of, you know I mean? Uh, used to use St. George. Was it nine pitches we've got? I think that's right. Way more. Isn't it like is 18? It, is it more than that? Wow. I thought it was more. Well, I haven't, you can't see more. You go in there and you see what? You see, I think, the first four. But they're more on the other side. The under 16s, I don't know what's yeah. behind the actual training centre. So you walk in, you walk up to the training centre, and on the left, you've got two pitches where the under-16s and the under-18s play. Um, and, and normally, um, it becomes pretty apparent where, which one they're playing on. But there's more behind the training centre. Which but even as you come in before the that, there's about two more pitches where I think they're yeah. like the under-14s, 13s, and you'll see them like training there for a bit. But I don't know. It's the first team site on the other side oh, of the okay. building. But they never play under-18 games there. So have you, have you been down there, Ben? Yeah, they had one under-21 game there last season, I think. There's like four more pitches, but it's where they feel more like the Spurs TV videos ah, of the okay. training stuff. So it's kind of more private around there. Yeah. And, and Is that where they're building the stand? Yeah, they're building the stand on the pitch. You know where the car, the second car park is? Yeah. With the toilets. They're building the pitch just like adjacent to that. Okay, I'm sorry, they're building the stand That's what need there. a stand. This, this, yeah. this facility is pretty special. I mean, we're lucky to have it. Yeah. But I mean, it's not just the facilities. Obviously, the facilities are a huge bonus. And when a player turns up at Hotspur Way, they're going to be impressed. Mm. But it it goes a lot deeper than that. So we've got such, um, I'd say that the kind of joined up thinking between the academy and the first team is what I admire most about it. The fact that John McDermott, who's now actually changed roles slightly, is so involved in this kind of discussions with Pochettino and the transfer committee as well. Mm. If they're having a conversation about a player, um, John McDermott's there to kind of advise on whether we've already got someone that fits the bill. Yeah, And I think that is so important to what we're trying to build at Spurs. Well... I think that's such a great, um, great thing to have, and I think he's actually doing a bit what Sherwood used to do. Like he's like the conduit between the uh, the youngsters, um, the, the academy, the under twenty ones, and then the first team. Sort of explain like this is what we have. You don't need this. You don't need that. We can use this person. And now McDermott's doing that role. It's, it's brilliant because he knows the players inside out. He knows what's good enough. He knows he, what isn't. He's kind of overseen them since they were probably under eleven in some cases. It's ridiculous. Um, and he sort of sees them all the way up to 21 and then passes them on to Pochettino. Yeah, and then Pochettino does what he does. That's what he does. <laughs> it's, it's funny you mentioned Sherwood. See, I, Sherwood was obviously a divisive character mm. amongst Spurs fans, but as someone who took an interest in the academy, Sherwood um, kind of appealed to me because I, I knew that he did a lot of good work. And I know um, he, he does. he's very self-centred in interviews and things. He comes across as a guy that's only interested in himself. But from speaking to parents of academy players, he was incredibly popular. 100%. 100%. Like, there's a bit of it where I, t- I think it's a sense of pride as well, where he's like, yeah, I've done this, look what they've gone on to become. But um, while he gets like a bit of a um, uh, negative press somewhat from Spurs fans, whenever I've spoken to a parent at the ground, they've always mentioned how great Sherrod was with the families, how great he was with the youngsters. I remember... Um, uh, I think Marcus Edwards who's like really close to him and really sort of encouraged him and I think it's only a positive like at the time what, what he was doing so it's a bit of a shame that he left in terms of the academy but I think we are still moving forward and getting on without him but I, I think he did get a, um, a bit of a negative press in that sense and he did contribute 
quite a lot of what we were doing. I think we miss... He was great at finding loans for our players. Mm. I think that was part of his role, or a big part of his role, finding loans for these players that need it. And since he's left, I mean, the quality of loans has definitely dropped. But that could also be due to Poch not wanting... Um, yeah, it's true. The ...people to go out at the moment, but that, hopefully that changes. Definitely want to talk about loans a bit later, because there's several things to say about it. But just to kind of talk a bit about the background of the academy... Um, we had this overhaul of the club, basically, in 2005 under Frank Arneson, where John McDermott was brought in. And McDermott is seen as a very key figure in um, Tottenham's academy, obviously. But he's also been recognised by the FA for the work he's done, outstanding um, achievements with youth football and academies. He previously worked for the FA. He'd worked at Watford. He'd, he's, mm. you know, he's, he's been in the game for a long time, McDermott. And around the same time that McDermott was brought in, Ricardo Muniz came in as a skills trainer. And I always thought that that term was an oversimplification of what he actually did because skills trainer kind of implies he's going to be teaching our players flip-flaps and rainbow flicks, but Mm. actually it was very different um, Mm. in reality. And Meniz was brought in as someone who was um, teaching the Curva method of training, um, which is a a very Dutch theory about um, prioritising technical ability um, and, and also seeing technical ability as some kind of academic um, training in an academic way rather than a kind of feeling way on the football mm. pitch and and basically creating drills which improve players technique which at the time was unusual in uh, English yeah. academy coaching and he obviously had a huge I- impact at Spurs in just a sort of three year period and when I, I met McDermott several years ago now to, to interview him for a for a forum and he spoke incredibly highly about Meniz and I remember he's, he said specifically it wasn't necessarily about Ricardo Meniz it was about the method and influencing and indoctrinating the coaches and the point was that even if he didn't stay long which he didn't because he had other aspirations he would indoctrinate the coaches so that they could teach the methods as well and I think that's that's really borne through in, in terms of the players that he's influenced and brought through um, the first year that Meniz worked with was the Ryan Mason Corky mm. year uh, and obviously they're a highly gifted set of players and we've got on to produce more technically able players since then. So I think he said that's had a huge impact on the um, improvement of our academy players and the number of players we bring through to the first team. Um, well, yeah, like we were discussing as well, that before that, I think we'd only had like King, Campbell, Crouch, Jamie O'Hara, from the ones I could remember. And then since then you've had, from that, since that age of about two per year, come through and make it even in Premier League or the Championship. So... His footprint is quite clear to see. I should have actually done some research on the number of players that have come through the academy over the last ten years, but it, the numbers must be um, on a par with nearly every other Premier League club. Mm. I'd have thought. Say second to United. Is that right? I think so. They get loads of players in the Premier League. I, I think Southampton might pip us for the playing fact that they're a weaker side, so they'd be able to shift through players. But Man United probably up there as well, like you say. Mm. And and that's, I mean, that talks about creating Premier League players but also league players I mean we've the number of players that are ex-Spurs players in the Football League at the moment is is quite phenomenal as well um, the other thing to mention is that we've actually had some changes this week in academy staff because we've had two players leave to join uh, Neil Clement at Swansea sorry two coaches leave did I say that? did I say players leave? <laughs> I think I said players leave um, but Nigel Gibbs who was the assistant head of coach and player development and Carl Halabi who was a physical development coach they've both left to join Swansea and lots of people have been asking me and I'm sure Ben you get similar questions the impact that will have on us and the reality is that we don't really know what these people do it's really hard for us to to say what the impact will be Gibbs only came in about a year ago anyway yeah in a role that I hadn't heard of what was it did you say I can't remember yeah assistant head of coach and player and player development I think they were both given sort of I think they both came in at the same time from Reading. They'd worked together before, and Gibbs was given this assistant head role to take some of the pressure off McDermott. Is that as Kieran McKenna left? And he needed someone to sort of look after the under He came in before McKenna left. Wait, Gibbs was managing the under-19s, wasn't he, this season? He was. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's really... I don't think Spurs are particularly secretive about the academy, but, but at the same time, the information is not that freely available. Mm. It's not that clear what roles people perform. Well, um, was it Carl Halabi? Yeah. His name wasn't even on the Spurs website. Yeah. So, yeah, it's I hard mean, to really know what he's... 
I mean, that might just be the fact that they're really bad at keeping the yeah, website up to date yeah. where the academy is concerned. It just, it's a constant frustration of yeah. mine where players don't get added when they leave. and, and out of position. Lesniak State of Birth has been wrong for about six years. Yeah, yeah there we go. I love that you know that. <laughs> and I noticed that um, uh, Velasco, who we signed from Brentford, has only just been added to the uh, set of academy yeah, players on the site as well. It's not great. It could be better. Mm. Let's just say that um, Ben's updating of the Youth Hawk website is much better <laughs> yeah. and uh, more up to date. So trust Youth Hawk. Uh, Youth Hawk is like a wiki for academy football, which yeah, is r- a really good uh, resource when you're researching anything to do with academies. Um, we'll talk a bit about you two and, and kind of why you got into youth football, because I think it's it, more people are taking more of an interest in youth football now because we've brought so many players through. Is that how you got into it, Ben? Was it just that you'd noticed a few players coming through? Sort of. Well, I've always been vaguely interested. I mean, I've gone to Spurs first team games since I was four. So I've always been sort of interested in that side of it. And then... A few years ago, I decided to go along to one of the games, and then I've been hooked ever since. Are you kind of like? Do you live in Enfield? Are you in that? No, area? I live near Enfield, about so twenty minutes away. Twenty minutes, so it's yeah. not too bad for you to get to as well. Um, and Cole, how did how did you first get into? Um, it? I first got into it because um, so I've always I've done, done psychology at uni, and I've always had an interest in like development and like ch- child development particularly, and then always had an interest, you know, like the old programs, how things work, and. It's, Interesting, I think, like, Messi is Messi, but how was he before he was Messi? Like, what stage did it take for him to become that player? Yeah. Um, and so I just started going to, like, paying attention to youth football and trying to see what players are like when they're 18 and see what they look like, what they feel like when they're older. Um, there wasn't that much information out there, so I actually used to rely on you, Chris. Um, and then read read your blogs, and as um, I did a bit more research and got my car, and I could start attending my own matches and so on and so forth, so... That's how I got into it. No, you carried on the mantle. I barely ever go to these shows anymore. You're there every week. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I, I I love reading both of your updates. I mean, I I can't get to so many youth games now because I, I live about a three-hour round trip away from Hotspur Way, which is a bit of a nightmare. Um, but I remember first going down to, to Chigwell, and I think I may, my, I may have been with Bankrupt uh, Kev in my first game, and, and I'm... I just remember thinking this is re- it's really cool to be sort of right at the side of the pitch mm. watching players who are probably going to be playing for the first team one day with about 50 other people and, and having that kind of, um, I don't know, there's a niche to it, there's a real niche yeah. to it, but also having seen Harry Kane play as a 14-year-old and now watching him play in the first it's team, crazy. I've got that kind of extra level of pride. Yeah, mm. I, I 100% agree. So when you're really close at Hotspur Wayne, you see them... Like they like said, uh, eight, seventeen, running around, just and it seems but it's very not basic, of course, but it's just that very first level. When you're looking at them, and you think, all right, the next time I could see them, about three years time, they could be in the middle of the pitch at White Hart Lane or the New Stadium or in the Champions League, and you would have seen that development from when they were like sixteen years old. And I just think it's quite cool. It's so gratifying. Yeah, it's I mean, the first players I've seen that saw for the eighteens, and then first team were Winks and Onoma. Really? So I can't imagine what it'd be like to see Kane yeah, where he is uh, now. Uh, I remember Kane as well. I remember actually Kane um, playing for England under 17s or 18s, and he was in, playing as a central midfielder at the time. And he's easy to stand up playing the pitch. And I thought this guy can play football. I thought it was going to be like more of an um, uh, kind of AM and then a ten midfielder or number uh, number ten. And this guy's just taken off, hasn't he? I know, I know. It's, it's it's really weird to think all those years back of Kane sort of playing every position I saw him play right wing left wing central midfield holding the can't midfield can't imagine Kane down the right wing <laughs> I know exactly he hasn't exactly got that explosive pace but um, he played everywhere at the time and I think that's part of most players development they get moved around to different positions to mm. test them and, and see how they cope in certain situations and Spurs are good at doing that it helped Kane when he came through because I think AVB was playing on the left wing and I remember thinking he did really well uh, coming in and did, did his time there and he looked apart and before getting moved was it up front by a show it, it was yeah, a theory so. for quite a while that he couldn't play up front by himself yeah well it wasn't suited to him anyway but obviously he's proven that one proved him wrong, yeah that proved me <laughs> wrong I mean I thought he was going to be a number 10 and yeah. he's clearly not That's a number 10 now he's he's very much a number 9 leads the line perfectly mm. but also has the ability to drop deep and, and do other things as well because he's a smart player I think it's still quite an underrated part of his game actually by um, um, opposition fans anyway we just see they see like two assists and they see him banging in goals, see him taking shots, and I think the guy has no more to his game, but his passing, his vision, still. I think he there. has the ability to be more creative, but he's so single-minded when it comes to scoring. I mean, that's like the only thing he's looking mm. for to get a shot off or whatever. And that's definitely but, been encouraged by his coaches throughout yeah, his career as well, yeah, yeah. which is no bad thing, I think. So, difficult question, but who's the who's the best youth player you've watched at Spurs? Marcus Edwards. 
straight in there, Ben. Yeah. Second would be Onoma. Interesting. And would you say, is that from under-18 level or 21s? Under-18s. I mean, I mean it's every- hard to judge players in the under-21s because it's such a mess. Yeah, it's a mess. Um, it's, uh, it's a difficult question for the plain fact that each position has different skills. So you to look at Edwards, like, clearly he's the most talented player we've got. And I've always and always will be a fan of Velkovic. But to say he... he he probably, he's in my top five, and then obviously Edwards and Onwenu. But I, I'd say Velkovic is one of my favourite players. I remember watching. So we got a couple of questions from Edwards. I mean, whenever I mention the academy or I'll invite any questions for my youth updates, the questions are always about Edwards. And Swansea Spur Richard Loosemore on Twitter said, "Is Marcus Edwards back from injury yet? And is he the real deal?" Um, I think the answer to that is yes. He's back from injury. He's back in full training. I'm told that he'll be in the um, pre-match day squad for Villa, which will mean that he'll be training with the first team ahead of that game. Whether he makes the match day squad, we don't know. Mm. But um, is he the real deal? I mean, Ben, you clearly think he is. Yeah, he's got so much ability. He's probably the most talented under-18 player in the country. My only frustration with Edwards, not so much this year, especially when he's been injured, it was last year, it felt like he only turned up for the big games. I don't know if you remember. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't seem to push himself at all in some of these under eighteen games. He'd sort of stroll around. Yeah, and I remember it was against Chelsea and stuff. You see him appear, and you're looking at him, saying, "This guy is incredible." Just a particularly first half of the season, and against a weaker side, who just sort of float around. Second half, I felt he picked it up. I mean, dude was more involved and influential. But in this season, he's like gone to under twenty three and he's looking good. But before he got injured, so I think he. I think. Potches or whatever is happening is drilling into me. You need to be involved at all times and like work hard and so on and so forth. Yeah, he won't be able to walk around playing for no. the first team or even train with the first team. But I've never, he, I've never really seen him consistently, like for example, dominate a match. I don't know about you. Would you say like Onoma would dominate a match? But the different roles aren't they? Yeah, because Onoma was a box box midfielder. I sort of explain that. But who is your favourite? difficult I think Edwards would come close just on natural ability alone I mean when you watch Marcus Edwards dribble dribble the ball yeah. it really does remind you of Messi I know it's, yeah. it does sound ridiculous and I, I can hear when I hear myself saying it I think why am I comparing him to Messi but it's just it's not necessarily that I'm comparing to Messi I'm comparing that specific skill to Messi yeah and they, yeah. they've got a very similar style of mm. running with the ball and um, the way they lead with their left and then kind of can just pull it away from a player and jink around. The ability yeah. to change direction when running with yeah. such speed. That centre of gravity. It's like no one, so few players have that. The other thing he does is each one of his touches are precise. So, like, what one he might kick the ball further out from his feet than the previous touch and then draw a player into making a foul or something. Or the, I mean, it's just impressive. It's very deliberate, mm-hmm. yeah, I get that. Um, Velkovic as well. I, re- I'm, I was a big fan of Velkovic. I was gutted to see him go. Um... I really like Kane at youth level. I mean, he didn't yeah. get the plaudits in, in many ways, but I liked the fact that he had a natural eye for goal and I liked the fact that he was intelligent. Obviously, I was a huge Mason fan. Mason as a number 10 was exceptional for the under-18s and that didn't translate. To... So how would you actually compare then Mason to, let's say, Onomar and Edwards in that role? Very different player to Edwards. I mean, he, Mason wasn't someone who dribbled with the ball as much. He would run off the ball, and, and then he, his finishing was incredible mm. under 18 level. On, and again, Onomar, although people who watch the first team won't have seen much of it yet, he is so good at driving forward through midfield. Mm. Yeah. I mean, he needs to play centrally. I think we can all agree. Well, on the I, I, always, I always find it funny when people say he needs to go out alone and find his position. I'm like, but he's played in one position since he's about 13 years old. Yeah. His position is central midfield. Yeah. So that's where he needs to be to show himself, really. Yeah. What do you, so wh- while we're talking about Onomar, we did get a couple of questions about him as well. So, for example, uh, Charlie Parrish said, I know Pochettino seems against sending his blue chippers on loan, but is Onomar at a stage where it really might benefit him? And I think we've got another question about Onomar as well. Um, but I didn't put it on the running order. But people are interested in Onomar. What What is it you think... So, would you send him out on loan? You're, I mean, you're kind of implying you wouldn't. But the problem, I guess, is if he's not going to go on loan, is he going to get enough game time? Is this me or Ben? Either of you. Dive if he in. stays and plays the same amount than he did in the first six months of the season, I think he should go out on loan. Yeah. I mean, playing like how many minutes has he got? Well, like probably a total of two games or something. Yeah. It's not enough for but someone of his age. Yeah, he. I think he's got something like um, 
an average of four minutes per game over the coach. So it's like 20, yeah, 22 minutes or something over five games. Coming on at the end of the match when we're seeing out the game. So people want him to do something from the wings when he's not a winger anyway. But then he can't do anything because we're doing that thing where we're passing the ball around the back just trying to manage the game. So when he does get the ball, he's got no time to do anything. Um, he is, I feel, in the position Winks was last year where I was thinking yes. he's getting yeah. old and he needs games. It seemed to have worked out for Winks in the sense that he stayed and has got games this year. But I think Onomo is ahead of Winks in terms of, mm, not natural, but the, the style of play, I think he needs to start playing games. And I think he's quite a confident players, confidence player as well. So I think he needs to get out and prove himself rather than just getting the minutes here and then and it ruin his confidence, to be honest. So if he were to go on loan, what, have you got an idea of where you'd send him? Would you send him to the Championship, League One, abroad? I think the club's more important than the actual league. Yeah. Mm. I think there's no point sending him to a t- team in the Championship or Premier League that's just going to play, that's going to hoof it the whole time. But if they find the right club in League One, then I think that would be all right. Yeah, it's just about playing, playing against men, learning that side of the game. I would completely agree with yeah. that. I don't think league level makes a difference. I think it makes a difference in terms of um, fans see it and they see someone from League One and say, oh, well, he needs to go on to Championship and then go to the Premier League. It's like, no, at the end of the day, it's just games he needs to play and that will help build his confidence and his skill set and mentality, so to speak. I couldn't agree more. I mean, I think this is it. Ideally, I would want Onoma to be around the first team squad, but if he's not going to get games then yeah. there's no point mm. in being there. Yeah, exactly. What I'd like to see is him to start against Villa. Um, I mean, I, I'm very uh, conflicted with this one because I want to win the FA Cup. Yeah. I really want to win the FA Cup. And I think a cup is important for Pochettino's winning mentality that he's trying to impose upon the team. But I do at the same time, I think we do need to start using some of these um, fringe youth players because they might end up not becoming what they can become. Mm. Yeah. Well, um, I, don't, I don't think starting... Onomar and then even bringing Edwards on a sub is, is going to weaken the team against Villa for example I think when he played against Liverpool I think he sort of struggled a bit out wide again but he, he played alright he wasn't any worse than and could yeah he? do you get what I mean and then and it, Monaco last year when he was, he was playing more central I thought he was excellent against Monaco because I think it was at like his first start mm. so against a Villa side I think maybe not central midfield but um um, a number 10 I think he might do a decent role and you, you build a team you put your other first teamers around him yeah. rather than doing what the old Harry Rennup used to do and throw up, have an A team and a B to full team of youth players and then not really learning anything from it so I think yeah get get um, on my starting and see how he does again I completely agree with that and again Edwards on the bench I think seems like a really sensible idea mm. um, the next question I wanted to ask you is who for you guys is the one that got away from the youth team so um, I've got an answer for this, but do either of you have a play you kind of regret leaving, wanted to see stay? I've got two who I feel... For me, it would be Velkovic, because I thought the guy was class. Um, I can understand why he never quite fitted in with Pochettino's methods and all that, but I just thought the boy was class, like 17 running under 21's games, ridiculous passer. The other one, I'd say... I know you don't like him as high as Pritchard. I just remember seeing him in next gen and then the games he played, I thought he was quality and I'm still gutted he never quite got his chance with us because I thought I thought he should have got his chance under ABB when we signed Sigurdsson and Dempsey. I think we, if we were going to sign him, we only needed to sign one and then we signed both of them and then he got went out to that Swindon and then when we, he couldn't really come back and play then Brentford and he proved himself over and over again and he, I think he just deserved that chance. Longo was another one that I thought was quite... Stolen my answer. Oh, Stolen my answer. <laughs> no, Longo was class. I, I, I thought that we let him go too cheaply. Mm. Um, uh, he would fit in so nicely now. If, if, if he could go back, if he, could, if he could be a twenty-year-old now in a Poch squad, he'd be perfect. Yeah. Did Pochettino sell him? No. Um, I think ABB sold him. Possibly. Yeah, um, we had a cheap buyback clause on him, though. I'm sure. That's or right. maybe we still do. Yeah, and I think did. there's a sell-on. Because he was still yeah, with us under Redknapp. I know that because I remember he played that game against Stoke where he missed a pen, didn't he, yes. or something? And, yeah, and I remember I used to really like Luongo. I thought he was very dynamic and gets up and down. Um, yeah, it's, it's again, it's a shame. It's felt like he won Asian M- Asian Cup MVP from our academy as well. It says it's another good... Um, a feather in the cap. Yeah, it's a feather in the cap for us. So. Ben, who for you? Who are the ones that got away? I have to say Nia Kirby. I know he hasn't 
done much since leaving Spurs. Obviously, still at Palace, hasn't really played, been injured a bit. Mm. But I think he's going to be a top player. Yeah. A so, really so player. for people who don't know about Kirby, what can you tell us about him? He's an attacking midfielder, quite similar to, not similar to Edwards. He's not a runner with the ball, mm. but he's got great technique, eye for goal. I think he's going to be a very good player. I'd put him on a par with any of our current under-18s. Yeah. And he's 16, just turning he's, 17? Yeah, he's a, yeah. He's a first year, so, so... I remember seeing him in the Riga Cup, and if you ever watch those videos, him and Oakley Booth stood out like a sore thumb in both their age group and were, the year yeah. above. And, like, the way Kirby used to use his body to, like, um, roll the defender or got an excellent shot on him, passing, spinning it around... And I was like, I couldn't wait to see Oakley Booth and Kirby playing in the FAU Cup. And then when he left, I was If you think we could have had Skip, Oakley Booth and Kirby in midfield together, that would yeah. have been something else. Um, so, uh, for our academy, it would be good if he does succeed. See what I mean? Because, like I say, and it'd be enough having the cap say we produced him. But it is going to be quite gutting if he does go on to be a very, very good player. The other one for me that I just wanted to have a, a cheeky mention for is... Um, and Poku, who who went to um, Standard Liège, and I, I think he fell out with the academy hierarchy at Spurs and wanted to go back to Belgium. But he, at one point, he looked so he looked so explosive under eighteen level, and I was really excited about what he could become. And he, it's kind of petered out a bit for him now. He's on loan at Panathinaikos, and he's not really doing all Still that. Decent. I mean, it's a good level. Yeah. It's a great level. He's done well for himself, but. There was a point where I was thinking he's going to be a first team with Spurs. He's going to be with us for years. And I was really excited about the fact that I'd seen him. What group was he in? He was in the um, uh, Mason year also. So I think he's 24 now. So okay. Maybe six months younger than Mason. But, yeah. yeah, I think it's it's, it's really um, amazing how they they work in such a short time frame and be, like in terms of giving chance and being able to express themselves on the field. Because I know, for example, like you said, he's at Panathinaikos now, and then people say, "Oh, he couldn't have been that good." But just because of the level you ended up becoming so much different if you had got that chance around better players to showcase his skills. So true. And like you were saying earlier, but like same with like Odiwa. Like if Odiwa had at his peak been given like a little Europa League football, you never know what he could have done. We might never have signed Nkud or NG. Then he goes to Peter Bryce, not doing anything for whatever reason. Is oh, he was never good. So, That's yeah. exactly how I feel about uh, Conor Ogilvy as well. Oh, who, I know you're a big fan, Carl. But Conor Ogilvy is... When he played under-18 football at left-back, he was running, literally running games from left-back yeah. at times. Uh, he had everything, and he's now gone to struggling. He, he had a loan at Stevenage where he did okay, and now he's struggling to get a loan. And I, I just can't understand he where looked, it's gone wrong he for him. He really good for under-23s in our last couple of games. Was, he's a class above. I was so pleased when you, when you said he looked class, because the same way Walker Peters, it's like the only person I've seen control of a game from right-back, Ogilvy would do it from left back and in different, very different style he would just be a lot more like um, Chor Luka like a lot more languid yeah. um, and he'd still get up and down but it's just a shame it's never really yeah, injuries and it, you have to kind of assume now that if he's not made it to the first team squads at this point then it's probably not going to happen and they took Amos on. and Will Miller to the first team uh, pre-season and played them at left back so yeah that must have been and a bit walks. of a kick in the teeth yeah. for Connor and walks. Anton oh, yeah. Walks, who none of us are a big fan of. Um, sorry, Alex from Bristol. I know you love Anton Walks, but um, yeah, none of us really get the Walks thing. I mean, that's wrong. Actually, we do we get it because it's a kind of it's a physical thing and it's a workmanlike thing. He's got the right attitude in terms of how much effort he puts on the pitch. He's just limited in terms yeah. of his ability. What I would say to his credit as well is compared to I think last year. I remember um, I I think it was in Malaysia tournament we faced like Estudiantes and Onines and yeah. he was at centre back and he just looked poor you know long balls it's position- bouts and his all, positioning yeah, it's, is it's terrible just, he's so often out of position but at the end of last season he looked decent at centre back but even now continuing to come to like the pre-season and he's been kept close with Poch he, you, you'd watch our under-23s matches and he still doesn't look he's a, he's a competent under-23 player but yeah. he's not going to be he's, he's not going to play for our first players, team in a million years yeah, so it's a strange one, Hawks. It's a strange one. Um, we'll move on to talking about the players that we've still got and kind of our hopes for the the current crop of academy players. 
I thought it would be a good idea to go through position by position and sort of talk okay. about who you think our top prospects are, because that this is the kind of stuff that people want to know about. People are, yeah. people aren't necessarily <clears throat> all going to be as enthusiastic as we are about actually going to watch the academy play under eighteen games. They just want to know when they're going to be in the first team yeah. and and what yeah. positions we're going to fill. So we'll start off with the goalkeepers. Who who do you kind of see as our main hopes in goal? Alfie Whiteman. Yeah, I'd say Whiteman, but I'd come with the caveat of I struggle to judge keepers. Uh, it's so much harder for me and I think oh someone's good and then I don't really know what to look out for but Whiteman looks the part he doesn't seem to have any weaknesses no so what's his kicking like because I've not really I've seen a couple, Whiteman a couple of times he's made good saves and he's been commanding but I haven't yeah. got a feel for his kicking yet it's not bad it's, it's not great but I mean it's not it's it, okay it, it, it's I'd say it's as good better than or Reese's. better than anyone else's yeah with ball at the feet for, yeah. from our academy so we'll give him that but none of them are I mean, they're keepers. Yeah. So, um, ball at feet is decent. He's kicking. It's, it's hard to say as well because I don't know. I find it hard, like I said, hard to judge. He seems to make the least mistakes with his feet. Huh? And then a lot of the keepers in our academy make a lot of mistakes passing out from the back, but he doesn't. Yeah. yeah. And I'll give him credit. I've seen Glover make a lot more yeah. passing out from the back. And I, was, I suppose the other one to mention is McGee, who, I mean, that video you tweeted yeah. the other day, Ben, of the saves he made at Peterborough, outstand, two outstanding mm. saves mm. at Peterborough, and their fans are raving about McGee, I they did, love him. I wasn't a big fan of his when he played for under-21s, he used to make a ton of mistakes. But, see, did, I said this as well, like I said, and it, McGee is the perfect reason why I realise it's hard to judge keeping, because the way we instruct our keepers to play, it's pass out from yeah. back, roll it out from back, this, that and the other. So he will make a lot of unforced errors through us telling them what to do. And then it, it skews my opinion of him because I think, oh, he's not that good. Even though he makes some saves, I'll see him chuck a ball straight at yeah. the, um, and attack. And I'm like, what are you doing? He and made then, that mistake a few times. Yeah, and yeah, and then it, it automatically skew my view. But then yeah. he goes into League One or whatever he is. Suddenly, they're not telling him to do that. So you, you ignore it. You don't see that part of the game. Then you see him making the saves and then he looks great keeper. So That's spot on. And I, I like you, I find it really hard to kind of judge goalkeepers generally because any not any but most keepers under 18 level can make flashy saves mm. you see flashy saves yeah. pretty much every week yeah. and they look good um, it's about consistent level of performance at that, at that age group and the other thing to Whiteman is what they say like, really good keepers is his attention span is really good so he might not face a lot of saves but occasionally he, sh- uh, he shouts 90 minutes uh, yeah, a game he'll shout 90 minutes for so the whole loud. game yeah. but he won't do anything and suddenly he'll pull out a great save and so I think that's what people say about Loris as well. Yeah. I think quote I'm not saying Whiteman is the next Loris. <laughs> <laughs> the other goalkeeper in Whiteman's group, Brandon Austin, he's pretty good as he well. He's very sturdy. He's a player who got like there's nothing, no hype about him at all, but he looks part, pretty competent. Yeah. It's gonna be tricky to manage that when they move up to the twenty threes yeah. because we're gonna have this same situation we've got now where you you're changing the goalkeepers in the under twenty threes every week. And there's only about twenty five games a season anyway. Uh, and we got into the ridiculous position of having some like six, seven keepers for two teams. Exactly, and, yeah. and we're bringing Paul Lopez down to play on the 23 yeah, football. Yeah, it is. I don't understand the situation, to be honest. I don't know who controls that one. Because um, Charlie Freeman, I don't think, has had a game for our Nains yet. The and under, then you've brought Jonathan Deby in. The under 19 goalkeepers can play in the under 18 league. Okay. If they're the first year pros, can. Okay. But we don't it's, normally it's use that. It's the same as tournaments as well, we isn't it? Yeah. You always see the goalkeepers drop down. Yeah. So. yeah. Mm. I think that's because goalkeepers tend to come through a bit later than other players and it's, there's a realisation that no. that's the case with that position. But so. also, you're not really at a disadvantage having an older keeper and go, are you? Exactly, really? so. exactly. Okay, so there's de- there's goalkeepers done. What about defenders, starting with centre-backs? I mean, obviously everyone will already know Carter Vickers, so we probably should discount him, given that he's basically part of the first-team mm. squad already. So, aside from Carter Vickers, who are the, who's the centre-back to keep an eye on? Tanganga, it's got to yep. be. Uh, oh, and to be fair... Ioma is also a quality. Um, I know he's only been playing at right back, but Tanganga, I, I, it might have been you that said this to me, Ben, but if someone said that he was better than Carter Vickers at the same age, I wouldn't necessarily go against it. I think CCV had the benefit of having a weaker centre-back pairing above him so he could step up. And also, because he was an, a USA international, he's obviously playing like under-23 football and like that for the USA, so it made him look so much better. Because Tangangas can't get in ahead of him because CCV's there, but also he's playing in England. So, do you know I mean, it doesn't look like he's had that same amount of progress, but Tanganga is. He looks fantastic. Centre back. So, what what would you say are his main strengths? He's incredibly brave, aggressive. He, he's, he's got everything. He's got he can pass. Him. He's quick. He'll strong. Bring the ball out from the back. I've no, seen he, him dribble like yeah. all the way past the midfield. He just <laughs> charges out of defence sometimes. He's. What game was it we were at? 
where he was just blocking everything. Oh. Arsenal. Is it Arsenal? Yeah, and yeah, he's yeah. just in the way of everything. I was like, and it was a, like a 10. If he scored, it, I don't know what you could have given him, but it was a 10 out of 10 centre-back performance. Yeah. Just, but, uh, but then, I think there could be the argument made about if he's doing making all these sort of lunges, is there, could there be questions over his positioning in terms of why is he having to do that? But I generally think it's to cover up for other people's mistakes yeah, with him. Is, I, I really yeah. do. I, and I think he's he's got a real maturity to his game. He can see mistakes happening before they've happened yeah. in, in a way. And I think, yeah, like you say, I think he's he's brilliant and I'm really excited to I see th- how he progresses. I think the big test for defenders, though, is when they move up from under 18 to under 21 football because yeah. we've seen a few of them who can't really... For whatever yeah, reason, they can't up. replicate their form when they go up that level. Yes, I would absolutely. And he hasn't played any under twenty three football no. yet, or maybe one one appearance well, he or played, so. I think left and right back a couple of times. Yeah, he came on at left back once. Yeah, but so. yeah, that will be a test for him. And we mentioned Ioma. Ioma's a really really good um, prospect as well. England under sixteen player. Uh, yeah. He's a centre back, but ends up playing right back because we've got quite so a few good centre backs. Well, we've got what, three England centre backs at that age group alone. Danzi, Tanganga, and then even Brown can play centre back sometimes. Yeah. So it, he just gets moved out of position a bit. But I do like him. I, I like Ayoma a lot. Yeah. I remember comparing him to Ledley King when I first saw him because they play with a similar style, and he's really competent in possession. But he's like yeah, he's like a midfielder with the ball at his feet. And like, it's just so easy for him. Um, so we've got plenty of centre back prospects at the moment. At right back, obviously you've got Walker Peters, who I've banged on about for many years now. Who is one of my favourite players? At he is one of yeah. yeah, he's absolute class. Um, for people who haven't seen Walker Peters, the thing that I like about him the most is once again his ability to dribble with the ball, um, his balance, the way he gets past players. Um, his crossing was a weakness, but it's really improved yeah. lately. Off off the left foot as well. Oh really? Yeah, he's, he's, I've seen him putting a few decent balls over his left pegs. Because so. he's ended up playing left back a lot, and I've not really understood mm. why. I don't see what that does for his development. No, me neither. I can see him playing further forward in the three behind the striker for the first team. I think he has that sort of dribbling and the ability to commit players that none of our first team have. I'd argue he's like probably one of the top five dribblers at the club. Maybe. Obviously, Dembele would be probably number one. Yeah, I, I don't want to get into that. <laughs> but I'm, I'm saying his dribbling is so good that in tight spaces and dribbling, I've, I mean, I, I don't can't think of many players in our first team who had that kind of dribbling yeah. ability. So I'd agree with that. Yeah. Edwards as well, obviously, is yeah, similar. But, but Walker Peters is for, for a defender exceptional going yeah. forward. And, and again, like we were mentioning, with Ogilvy can control a game from left back. I think you said that Walker Peters did the same for right back. I completely agree with that. He dictates tempo. Mm. He comes into midfield and gets in the ball and play makes. He He's can not play higher up the pitch. Quite as tenacious as Rose, but he will bomb forward. And I've seen him put his foot into a lot of challenges. And I think that's enough way he helps him try because he's he just it's full full with him. I think so. So why have we not seen him? I've I've I can only put it down to his size. But is that would you agree? I, with I that? don't understand it. I can only. Assume Poch isn't a fan or doesn't think he's quite defensively solid yet because I can't put on the size because you've got people like Rose in our team. Mm. Um, you've got I'm, I'm trying to think of um, other Premier League teams, but you've got Alexander Trent Arnold, Trent Alexander Arnold playing for Liverpool left back, and he's he's quite a rake, isn't he? Mm. And you've got like Tom Davies now in central midfield for Everton, and he's he's no he's no smaller than these people. Yeah, and you know I mean he might get beaten in the air, but I can only assume that is the reason because the guy is absolutely class. And beyond that, we've got another right back coming through in Hines, Tariq Hines, who we haven't seen a lot of him yet, but he seems to have a bit of everything. And he's the thing that struck me about Hines when I first saw him is his ability in tight spaces, mm. which I think is yeah. becoming such an important facet for a fullback. Mm. Yeah, he's great in tight spaces. I think you said this before, but he does lack a little bit of ambition going into the final third. I mean, I don't really see him. He doesn't get that far forward and he seems quite comfortable playing back and passing it backwards yeah. and sideways I haven't seen enough of him in that sense well, I have, like I said get, getting forward I've probably seen about about two, three, four times now but I am very impressed with when he's under pressure he's like keeps a cool head he'll pass it he'll move he knows what he's doing if he, if he develops that whole getting forward bit I think he could be one to look out for and then on the opposite side at left back we've got two fairly competent players one who I'm less keen on but I know you you both kind of think he's okay um, so we've got Jaden Brown and Nick Cerula um, Jaden Brown has been an England player since what under 
school been in every squad, early. I think. He's al- he's always been in and around the England squad. I think it's one of those situations where he's got there and he stayed there because they know him. Mm. Whereas Nick Sarula's kind of come from nowhere really and become a real yeah. uh, competent left back. I like yeah. Sarula a lot. Quite I, similar to Hines. He's good in tight spaces. He's not the he's, quickest. He's, but he's a better dribbler. I think he's Sarula's a really good, good dribbler. That's why he gets put to left wing. Dribble. He's got a really good dribbler and he puts some good. Um, sort of thoughtful crosses. Mm. Um, like I've seen him whip some in and float some in, and so he's. I think he's very good, and I think he's actually far overtaken Brown now. My thing with Brown, which I know you don't really like, is I think he's good at everything, but he's not outstanding in anything. And so I think all of our best players have some sort of outstanding attribute, and he doesn't. I have think that. Brown's more suited to playing as a left-sided centre half. Yeah, he see. doesn't get forward enough. Yeah, and. He's got the physical attributes to play at centre half, so I think that's where his future lies. I completely agree mm. with that. I think it's interesting to see what happens with Brown. The problem with him playing left sided centre back is he's nowhere near as good as the other centre backs no. we've yeah, got. Exactly. Um, so this he was might a play there for England again. Yeah, yeah so crazy. It's, it's crazy, isn't it? And then in midfield, um, I mean, we've kind of, again we've kind of got an embarrassment of riches in central midfield because we've got Oliver Skip, who is one of the best young midfielders in the country, and very young, very he's, he's playing under eighteen football at fifteen. And, and looking absolutely the part, like almost mm. one of the better players he's in the team. He's such a good player. Yeah. Um, so Skip's a huge talent. He's definitely one to watch. And then we've got George Marsh, who doesn't get necessarily applauded as much, but I do like Marsh. There's something about him I like. He's a bit spiky <laughs> as well, isn't he, Marsh? He's uh, like Scott Parker. Yeah, he's, he's more Scott Parker. Scott, I think he's got a really great touch. I think he's very he's very much like a leader. I think, do you remember like last year, when he had Owens and Stilinides? Yeah. And they'd both sort of, for uh, a bit where they got, went hiding some games yeah. it got tough and lead whereas Marsh would stand up be counted and I think that's all responsibility he's means, captain now yeah I mean he's captain and he can play at centre back and you know, for someone so small he's got a good leap on him I mean he wins quite a few headers and I think he can be quite rash though like he, sometimes mm. he seems to empty the midfield a lot when he's playing as a four so I think maybe playing at centre half suits him at the moment mm. where he has more time to see the game and he can adjust his position accordingly mm. I would agree with that I think that's if Marsh can improve his uh, decision making I think he could be a really handy player mm. and I can see that he'd be the type of player that Pochettino would like because yeah. of his bravery yeah. and his mentality Yeah. Um, but aside from those two is there anyone in the central midfield I mean we've mentioned Oakley Booth already but he's, he's, he's Oakley Booth is the kind of Rolls Royce midfielder isn't yeah, it yeah he's so I feel I, I'll say everyone knows about him I assume people have heard about him um his class and I think he's we've got a lot of these um, that since Onomar really came through we've got like Onomar Oakley Booth and then low down we've got like Maduki Magoma Mag- Magoma yeah Magoma as well next year that's, and that's Paris Magoma not yeah, Paris yeah, Paris yeah, Paris yeah. and they're all very similar sort of tallish quite strong can carry the ball from midfield I think what um, Oakley Booth does well and why he probably slightly reminds me a bit more of Dembele is he can play on the wings a lot better than Onomar could play on the wings Um and he's quite quick and he's got a bit more skill about him. But I don't know. I think Onomo is more driving from central midfield. Whereas I feel whenever Ogilvy Booth is in central midfield, he holds more. But I think he's an excellent player as well. I don't know, I don't know when we're going to see these guys. But they, they've all got a great chance of being in the first team. But Oakley Booth, quite similar to Edwards. He doesn't seem to push himself that much yeah. in the under-18 games. Mm. I mean, I haven't seen him have an outstanding game yet. And and that's that's the funny thing. Like, so going back to Onomo... He would regularly dominate yeah. the 18s games, and even at time of 21 to 17, he would dominate these games. So we're not seeing that from Oakley Booth and the 18s, but you see him. He's like, this guy's class. He's, like, he's 16 years old. Um, he clearly has so much ability. I think in two years' time, if he's not playing regular under 23 football, I'll be very, very yeah. surprised. I mean, yeah, he, he I think he'll be there good by the end of this season. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's already had glimpses, hasn't he? And he's come on and made differences in games. Yeah, he is a top player. Um, and then ahead of them, you've got Luke Amos, who's. Uh, I would say has kind of stagnated a bit over the last year yeah. through no fault of his own um, mostly because he's been played out of position he, he's always ended up at left back which I find so bizarre <laughs> I felt he was one of um, people that fell victim to the walks experiment the most like they'd throw walks, in the, it. walks everywhere the yeah like the yeah. centre back and then they'd put him at the defensive midfielder and then number 10 and Amos was to play it felt was suffering as a result because then they'd put him at left back or he wasn't getting the games and the funny thing is with Amos, he started off um, really, really well in, I think it was, a, no, sorry, first year he got injured in, in under 18s, and second year he was in defensive midfield, and he was quality. 
Do you know what I mean? He was just holding his position and doing some of things. Oh, then next year, first year of the under twenty under twenty ones, he didn't play again. He's getting shafted everyone and he's just stagnated. So quite shocked. I that. think he's a player Pochettino will love. I mean, lots of selfless running, he's a he's a good mentality. I think he's a Pochettino player, if there ever was one. I completely agree with that and I've Heard, again, I've heard that he's in the um, pre-match day squad for Villa. So the fact that he's been involved in first-team squads and first-team training is a positive sign for him. He's he's one who physically he developed quite late, and he's only now started to fill out his body. He's really he's small, still very he? small. Yeah, he's a small guy. Um, but when he bulks up, I think he could be a really handy handy squad player in midfield. Um, anyone else you want to give a notable mention to? Uh, Dylan Duncan I, was gonna, I, was gonna, I know you're a fan <laughs> I, like, I do like Duncan he's coming on this year um, but we'll have to see what happens with him Sheshua yes uh, so yeah moving on to the attacking oh, I, sorry, I, I kind, of, I kind I, of grouped I, I grouped him in with the forwards okay, so I've, I've kind of grouped in attacking midfielders and forwards together because there's so much overlap between those players yeah. why are you putting Jack Rolls yeah, so, yeah I'm, I'm going to include Jack Rolls <laughs> in that group as well because okay. he basically plays at 10 so I mean we've, we've got a, a so many uh, attacking midfielders who have been hyped uh, to, to some level. Uh, Marcus Edwards, Kaziah Sterling, Shane Harrison, Jack Rolls, Sam Shearer, Rhea Griffiths, Keenan Bennett. I mean, for me, Bennett's is slightly below the others in yeah. terms of ability. I had a lot of hope for Bennett's. And to me, I still have some hope for him. Um, I think it's a good cross off either foot. But I think at the start of last season, he lost his confidence because I just remember no one ever saw a pass to him. In the I remember sticking it to the right wing and he'd be open and you think yeah. whenever he got on the ball he felt he had to do something and then his confidence just went this he's improved but yeah he's, I don't think he's quite on the same it's level. his decision making he get, he's got ability good technical ability good physical ability but it's a decision making yeah he nearly always or chooses the, the wrong pass, option yeah. so who, who are your favourites attacking midfielders and Shashua Shashua it's got to be so that's not including Edwards I presume yeah not including Edwards yeah Shashua but his ability to sort of that turn on a sixpence and just throw, throw the defenders off him and just wriggle off. Um, his passing's good. His finishing's decent. Uh, I have to go for Shishu at the moment. Yeah, but I, I, because he's so small, I just can't see. It'll probably be another, like two years before we even get... This is it. And, and again, he's another one who we know has been training with the first team. He's been pitched training with the first team. I think team. he's got pro contract. Is that right? Okay, interesting. So, I think he's been given his pro. So he One he, or two years? Not sure. I'm just... I, mean, what I, just, oh, yeah. I just yeah I've just seen that he's um, had a pro contract I don't and, know and normally it spurs if someone's given their pro contract that early it's a sign that they've, they're fast tracking and mm. they rate them really highly they know that there's probably going to be interest from other clubs yeah. and they want them tied down yeah. I remember it happened with Onoma there was interest from City um, it came out in the papers I think the Guardian um, released a story about the fact that uh, Man City was sniffing around one of our youngsters and they didn't actually name them but it was Onoma City wanted Onoma and they tried to, they offered him a ridiculous um, wage to try and attract him and Spurs managed to pin him down and get him to sign which, pro with us which is brilliant which is uh, great let's, yeah. let's utilise him now isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean striker wise we've had quite a few questions about um, which strikers are going to come through uh, so where's the question uh, it was about Shane Harrison's... Oh, here we go. King Tubby from Coy said, We don't seem to have a striker ready to step up from under-21 level in the same way that Winks or Onoma have. Do you think Harrison or Sterling, assuming he's a striker, will make it? Or is it time to buy someone like Lookman? Now, obviously, Lookman's now gone to mm. Everton for £11 million, which seemed crazy to me. But um, What do you think of Sterling and Harrison? I like Harrison, but I don't think he's a natural striker. I think he'd be better as a 10. And I think if the first team weren't so short on strikers, he'd already have been developed into a 10. It's. I always thought it was very similar to Kane, not not necessarily in the actual style of play, but like he could play on wings and he could play number ten. But I, I like Harrison, um, and I think he has something about him, and I think he's a good finisher. So, but he's just very small, isn't he? Very slight. Yeah, he's very quite slight. tall. He's, he's a tall, bit of a beanpole now, yeah, isn't he? Yeah, he's not particularly quick either. Yeah, he's, he's got decent pace, but yeah, yeah, he's not particularly quick. Um, Sterling seems to have improved of late. When he was an under-16, he looked great, Sterling. And he was in the, with Edwards playing up here in the Youth Cup. And then he's, when he started his scholarship, he kind of stalled. He got injured and he lost form. Yeah. And I remember thinking, like, I can't remember the last time I saw him play well. And then, but this season he's picked up again. I think he scored like six or seven goals already. Yeah. And he looks to be back to his best. Do you think the um, sort of pressure from Rio Griffiths taking to under-18 football so quickly has helped Sterling in a funny way? I think so, probably. 
what, knowing uh, that he can't rest yeah. Yeah. yeah because when Sterling was there him and Loft Oh, Ote yeah and then and Loft Loft I don't think it's going to cut it so yeah I think Sterling and because he was an England player he probably thought he um, just hypothesizing he could have thought oh look I've got, I'm the only striker here Griffith has come in and Griffith is doing well I think he, he he doesn't look a natural striker, but I, I think he's only recently because he used to be a centre back. Yeah. He used to be a centre back, right back. But I'm starting to see improvements in him as well, and the fact that he is getting goals here and there is putting it on Sterling. I think Sterling is up in his game as well. Physically, result. Griffiths is outstanding. Mm. I mean, he's, he, he's 16, energy. but he looks about like 19 or 20. Mm. So really big, strong guy, quick, really quick as well. Yeah, good acceleration. Yeah. Um, and his touch is improving with every game. Yeah, basically. he still and struggles a bit with his back to goal. Yes. I feel. And I actually saw him recently. Like he did feel like sometimes a centre back on a, when he had the ball around um, people around him on the edge of the box. He did sort of feel like a centre back where he didn't know what to do. Whereas the other, I can't remember what game it was, but he sort of controlled the ball, had a break of people around him, got out of it, and then passed it off. And I thought, oh, it looks like he has been improving that aspect of his game. So, and I presume that they'll have identified that as a weakness, and they'll yeah. be working on that constantly with him as well. So. Yeah. Um, I guess the, the the last thing to say about this current crop is which ones do you think will be cut loose at the end of the season and, and which ones are we expecting to, to be let go? I was told all the players who didn't go to America are being released. I've, obviously, that doesn't include Edwards or Whiteman. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just Ote so don't worry and McKenna. And McKenna, who's, yeah. Yeah. Back, yeah. McKenna, who's, who's not played a, a great deal and didn't really didn't look, look up very to good at when, all when he did play. So What's Velasco doing? Velasco is staying apparently, which I don't really understand. I'm not sure I what really he. I, I think he. It feels like he was just signed because they were panicked and Kirby left, and they wanted someone to come to in. Fill a gap. They needed cover on the wings. Yeah, because only Shashu and Bennett that can play there. But I mean, we saw him play in America, and he has a decent touch. He's okay in tight spaces, but, but the thing is, next year on the wings is potentially our next best winger I've seen come through in Clark, and then you'd want to give him chances. Anyway. So this is Raylan Clark. Phoenix Ray- Patterson Ray- Ray- as well. Ray- 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 yeah, so and Phoenix Patterson, who's yeah. very I mean, hyped so it, as well. It just feels like you're just bringing people in to block people at that at that point. I can, like I said, I can understand losing Kirby. You think let's get yeah. someone in, but it's no harm just giving a youngster another chance. So. Yeah. So, what Spurs tend to do is the players are not completely sure about. They'll give them a third year of a scholarship, and yeah. that kind of tells you something about what they think of that player. Mm. Do you think there might be a few third year scholarships dished out at the end of the year? I think they'll all get one-year pros, apart from maybe Shashu and Tanganga. I was wondering about Brown and Austin. I mean, I, I, I Austin's had such limited chances in, in some ways. I like him, but there's not enough games for him. If we'll have Whiteman in the under-23s, we'll have still have Glover. And there's, what, 25 games a season? There's not enough for three keepers. Mm. Well, you know, um, Charlie Freeman was loaned to Newcastle at the start of this year. Interesting. For a tournament. Yeah. And I don't know if we might do something... You could do something similar for like Austin or something. Char- Charlie Freeman's the first year goalkeeper yeah. who's not had a look in at all, no. has he? It's to be in Austin mainly. Yeah. In the so, 18s. And Freeman looks decent whenever I saw him at under 16. So. Yeah. But uh, Brown, you'll hopefully get released. Right. Last question <laughs> before we wrap up because we've we've had we've had an hour we've had an hour of uh, youth yeah. chat and I, I'm I'm thinking people are probably going to be uh, not as enthusiastic as we are Fair. about this. <laughs> Uh, last question will be from the Spurs Report at Spurs Report on Twitter, who says, "Would academy strikers benefit from having Jermaine Defoe back in a player coach role?" What do you think about this kind of thing? Old players coming back to coach? Because obviously a fan. King King came back briefly to take under 18. I, I think it's um, sort of like a romantic notion, um, and you see like people like Giggs and they like give him the job at Swansea. Yeah. Like, well, they got to go. I mean, they, they can. I don't mind them advising. But actually just coming in and coaching with no badges or anything doesn't really make sense to me. Um, and I, not, not with all respect to Defoe, who is, I consider as a Spurs legend, especially considering my age, what is he really going to teach our strikers? I think he'd be useful as a senior player to pass on advice and be a good influence on the young players. Yeah, but, as but a, I think just let the coaches coach. Yeah. Um, I can't. Have we got a bit of a problem with coaches? Obviously, Kieran McKenna's left. They all seem to leave. <laughs> yeah, McKenna's left and we haven't yet replaced him. And we've got Ekiog. Ekiog at under-23 level is not flavour of the month, to say the least. No. But is that his fault or McDermott's fault? I think it's it's always difficult to assess coaches because you don't really know what they're responsible for. Mm. Yeah, 
I completely agree. But, but we do we have a shortage? Have we got a problem there? Do we need to get a few more coaches in in the, in the summer? Uh, See, so we seem to mostly promote from within anyway. Yeah, yeah, and I know down the sixteen coach. I know like Justin Cochrane has got such a great reputation at under yeah. sixteen level, and I think whatever's going on below under sixteens is excellent because we're constantly producing a high quality level of player. I know we fo- I think we focus more on individual talent and sort of developing that as opposed to. Do you know what I mean? Like formations and rigidity, and you yeah. know, you see some under eight sides, and they're just in that four-four-two, and it's all it's just a shape, and you can't see any individuals. Whereas we, our coaching at under sixteen, we're developing great players, but it's just yeah, finding an under eighteens level, and I don't know whether to you know, bring someone in from like Fulham or somewhere. So from another academy that's yeah. doing well, but not hasn't got the resources that and, and what age was Inglethorpe doing? He's head of academy now at Liverpool. But so he's doing the McDermott role, especially. Yeah. When he was with us, was he at under 18s, under 21s? 18s, wasn't he? Yeah. So 18s. I feel he was probably our best under 18s coach. Since then, I, McKenna was all right. I can't remember who was before McKenna. Was, was it Inglethorpe? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, so I, I think I think Inglethorpe was really good, but I don't really know what McKenna did, so to speak. But I don't know. We need to get someone else who's good in because I think, like I said, we're getting all these great youngsters come from under 16s and we need to develop them better under 18 we to make sure they actually become what we think they can become yeah. when they step up yeah lads I've really enjoyed this it's yeah, been so it's been much great. fun um, I just like talking about youth football with you guys generally but um, I hope I hope people who've been, who are listening have, have found it as entertaining as I have um, thank you for listening if you've got any follow up questions about anything we've covered if you just let me know by um, adding me on Twitter at WindyCoys or love the shirt or you can write if you want to write something longer editor at thefightingcock.co.uk and I'll happily answer anything in my half time youth updates over the next few weeks but I would love to get um, Ben and Carl back on at some point in the future yeah, to kind of assess uh, <laughs> where we are maybe in a few months time um, lads thank you both very much thank you for having me Chris really yeah, appreciate thanks for having it. me and uh, yeah, I hope you've enjoyed it. It's the fight in. It's the fight in. Clock. It's the fight in. It's the fight in. Clock. A camel shirt. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Sports Social Podcast Network.